Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, we are talking about black art in Columbus, why you don't see more of it, and why you're about to. I sat down with local event organizer and author Scott Woods. He has put together an entire month of events called Holler. 30 Days of Columbus Black Art. It's occurring at venues around the city in the month of March. Scott and I sat down to talk about the series of events and the impetus for it. We also got into the Columbus art scene, the organizations within it, and the importance of venues in Columbus. An editorial note here, as you'll learn from the episode, this episode is decidedly not about Black History Month, even though it is falling in the month of February. While the occasion of Black History Month is an important moment to reflect, I hope that everyone can agree it's not meant to be a shoebox to fit everything about the impact of African Americans into. And one housekeeping note this week, the Confluence cast is now on Patreon. You can find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or go straight to patreon.com slash confluence. Also, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. The Confluence cast is sponsored by Art Makes Columbus, Columbus Makes Art, featuring stories about our city's incredible artists. Stories full of inspiration, challenge, passion, and success. For videos, articles, an up-to-the-minute calendar of events, and an artist directory, visit columbusmakesart.com, the resource for all things arts and culture in the capital city. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with author and organizer Scott Woods, the organizer of the upcoming Holler 30, which is a month-long series of performances and artistic works by Black artists, Black Columbus artists. Exactly. Tell us more about the event and what people can anticipate. So basically, I'm slating uh, an event each night, a presentation, by a different Columbus-based Black artist. Uh, Some will be musicians, some are poets. Uh, some are nonfiction writers, uh, some dramatic readings, a couple of dance uh, performances, a little bit of everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there any visual art component to it? Yeah, actually, the goal is to have two visual dates set up. And so there'll be something like four or five artists at each of those as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And talk about the inspiration for it. Why Why does Holler exist? There's a lot of reasons why Holler exists. Um, you know, Columbus is really, it's it has an amazing amount of art. It has an amazing amount of black artists. You know, Columbus as a city is fairly diverse. You know, um, it's about roughly 40% non-white mm-hmm. as a city but you wouldn't know that just kind of walking around it living in it being in it interacting with its institutions and its culture you don't really get the impression that it's it doesn't feel diverse it doesn't no okay. not really it seems open-minded but not extremely diverse okay and so the goal for holler anyway was to call to the fore an aspect of that and just say you know, if, if part of the if the part of the reason why that's true is education, let me educate you. Okay. If part of the reason that is access, then let me provide you on ramps into this culture. 
So I just really wanted to strip away as many excuses as possible for interacting uh, with uh, our culture, our art, which is in part your culture, your art. Okay. And why do you believe, first of all, why do you believe that it doesn't feel as diverse as it is? Is it, does it have to do with segmentation in, in where people live or what is it? Well, that's certainly a part of it. Okay. I think if it, I don't think anybody would argue that Columbus is developing uh, rapidly. It has been for some time. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of gentrification in Columbus. We've got really great models of that, you know. Um, We've, we're at a point now where certain areas of town have turned over culturally three and four times in the last 50 years. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the uh, community that uh, that I'm dealing with, the black community that I'm part of, you know, we're we're not where we were 20, 30, 40 years ago physically. Okay. And so, you know, we're not where things are happening. We're not where uh, resources are. We're not hip to institutions and things like that. And so, and they're not hip to us. Right. Right. Um, but Columbus is so large. It has such you know, it's, it has such a large population and it has so much stuff going on, you know, that the that the mega level of culture seems to be OK with that. Well, I'm not OK with that. OK. Yeah. And what I hear you saying and not and don't let me put words in your mouth. Sure. What I hear you saying is that the holler, the purpose of it is one to expose that. Well, to expose that white audience to black art but also expose those black artists to a white audience. And that it's not, because it's not so much, hey, we're just celebrating blackness. It's, hey, this is here. This already exists and you just don't see it. Yeah, that's pretty close. That's certainly one goal. Okay. Um, you know, of probably a good handful of primary goals. That's probably one. But yeah, I you know, I think awareness is key. Um, you know, there's a big kind of unspoken education element to it. Originally, I was going to have this all in one venue mm-hmm. for the whole month. That fell through. Um, so I I had to break it up into, you know, numerous venues, which actually has been really positive for the event. It's, yeah. it's brought in a lot of resources and attention from corners that I think by the time the event starts, they would have become aware of. But now they're a part of. OK. You know, so the Columbus Museum of Art is a part of that. You know, other venues, um, black-owned venues, white-owned venues are a part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, that wouldn't have happened before. Okay. Talk about your background and sort of you're a writer, two published works. You're mm-hmm. a slam poetry artist and a poet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, give us sort of the rundown. Where are you from? I am from here. Okay. I've been here all my life. High school? I graduated from Worley. Okay. Which is gone now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was on the south side on Parsons. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. The firemen are burning buildings on our old football field now. Okay. But um, no, I graduated from there and um, went to OSU for about two quarters back when they were doing quarters. Okay. And uh, got kicked out, went to Columbus State, dropped out. Uh-huh. And so that's the educational element, period. Okay. Artistically, though, you know, uh, that's kind of picked up once all of that started to kind of happen. Um, I've always kind of done something creative. It was either art or music or writing or whatever, but Mm -hmm. writing is what really took. Okay. Um, It's the thing that I could wrap all of my interest into cheaply, efficiently, and apparently successfully. So um, 18 years ago, a friend and I started doing an open mic show every week, every Wednesday, Mm -hmm. Writer's Block Poetry Night. Vernell Bristol and I started that. 
And that's been running pretty much every Wednesday for the last like 18 years. Where is that held? That's currently at Cafe Kerouac. It's been there for about seven years, I think. Since they've been there. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they've been there 10. We've been there for most of that. Mm-hmm. But we'd been in other venues before that as well. As you mentioned, you know, I put out the two books in the last few years. Those are poetry books. Okay. Got another book coming out this year. That'll be a collection of essays. Okay. Since I have a, a blog, Scott Woods Makes List, that, that's got a lot of heat on that too. So that's kind of cool. Okay. So yeah, but I really have a passion for organizing events and kind of raising everybody's boat. Okay. And so Holler was an opportunity for me to kind of throw everything that I had learned, that I had done with events uh, locally, regionally, and nationally into one thing for one goal, you know, really just to kind of give the city a shot in the arm, so to speak. Okay. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit, because you've been featured in the press as sort of representing minority artists. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about why that shot in the arm is needed? Well, that's a good question. Like, we're here. Okay. Okay. Black people are here. People of color are here in great numbers. We work here. We live here. We buy things here. But in the thing that that Columbus really touts, um, that it, well, at least that it frequently wants to tout, is its culture. You know, that really is a selling point. You know, for particularly for people who are not of retirement age, right? Uh-huh. They want to be in a place that's cool, that has things happening, that has growth, that they can be surprised by on occasion. That's all cultural. That's all largely artistic. You mm-hmm. know, artistic has a lot to do, arts have a lot to do with that. And so, to my mind, the options for people, if they're not tied into the normalized aspect of the community, then they're not getting any of that. Okay. You know, they're not getting the galleries. They're not getting, you know, the festivals. They're not getting, you know, we're just, we're not getting the stuff that makes a city cool. Okay. And so a lot of, there are these large pockets of the community, you know, that just go to work, come home, go to work, come home. And and we want to do other things. We are capable of doing other things. Many of the artists, all of the artists that I picked have been doing whatever their respective artists for years. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, I love Columbus. You know, I don't hate Columbus. I don't dislike Columbus. Right. I can move. I like (laughs) it here, you know, and I want to contribute. I want to do my part, but I want it to recognize those contributions as well. Mm -hmm. I want it to honor those contributions because, you know, much like Holler raises all of the boats of the black artists involved, collectively, the the event raises the cultural boat of the city. Mm -hmm. Talk about the slate of what you have coming up in the month of March. Sure. So as I mentioned, it's multidisciplinary. So it's going to start with music. Um, it's going to end with poetry. It's going to run the gamut of venue types. And it's kind of cool. It'll, it'll have jazz. It'll have hip hop. It'll have dance. Uh, the poetry will range widely. You know, it won't all sound, none of it will sound the same. Okay. You know, and I know personally, most of the artists that that were involved with this event. I handpicked much of this slate, mm-hmm. technically all of it, but you know, during the course of putting it together, I did leave some room for people to submit that I may not know, that kind right. of thing. I met some artists that I hadn't met before. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, people who were doing incredible things. And so, you know, there was a lot of learning in it for me as well. And I've been organizing events for a long time, you know, going on two decades. Mm-hmm. And so for me to be surprised by this community was an enormous treat, you know, and so I'm I'm excited to unleash all of that creativity onto the city. And you know, look, it's who's who's booking thirty days a 
events, you know, right. Alone, you know, by themselves, who's doing right. that? You know, nobody's doing that. So I like to think of it as a festival that's happening one day at a time. Okay. One act at a time, you know, kind of thing. Well, and logistically you can't do, if it's just, you're just one person, you can't do a whole lot more than that. I, you know, people tell me that. Do you have a support group? I mean, is it literally just I, you? No. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the person who's booking the stuff, who's okay. making it happen. I do have some support, of course. I got like, you know, a fiscal sponsor that's kind of making sure that money goes where money's supposed to go and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because you're not a nonprofit. I am a, not a in, nonprofit. In and of yourself. No, I'm working with the Kate Schulte Foundation to okay. make that happen. And that's how you were able to secure funding through like GCAC. Exactly. And, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. And we should note most of the events are free. Uh, mm-hmm. If they are not free, that's a very moderate price of admission. I imagine those are the music shows. Correct. Well, and it, it kind of depends too on the venue. So, okay. in the, you know, some of the venues came on board at reduced or free cost. Uh-huh. Which well, is and great. some places have to pay their sound guy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And, you know, and you can see that on the website. There's like, you know, a sponsors list. Well, those people kind of, you know, the museum came in at no cost. You know, the museum. That's awesome. That's amazing. Because I know what they charge for a wedding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been really great. What are the other venues that you have? Cafe Kerouac, obviously. Obviously. Those, I mean, Mike Heslop, the owner there, mm-hmm. I was just kind of looking at their calendar and I was like, hey, wow, I don't think they've booked this month up that far out. So let me let me shoot Mike an email. And mm-hmm. he got right back to me. And I was like, yo, do you really have all of these days free that month? And he was like, mm, yeah. It's March, yeah. And then it was funny because like I sent him like <laughs> – I sent him a message and I'm like, well, I think I'm going to need all of your Fridays and all of your Mondays. And uh, I mean, in their happening venue, they're always putting stuff on and stuff. Yeah. And, and I already have every Wednesday there, you know, so it's like I'm just taking like a month. And so he was like, so what are you doing? And I was trying to describe it to him before he approved it. And then mm-hmm. he was he was in his mind. He had already approved it. He just wanted to know what to put on the website. Right. So which was awesome. New Harvest Cafe, which is up in the Linden area. OK. Um. Black-owned venue, uh, Quojo runs that. That's going to have a lot of the music acts there. Going to be at the Columbus Performing Arts Center. Franklin Avenue? A couple of times, right, correct. Okay, yeah, formerly be, the uh, Davis Discovery Center. Right, right. Uh, there'll be a dance production there uh, on the 18th, which okay. will be awesome. Onyx Productions will be there. The city helping out with that in terms of cost? Mm-mm. Okay. No, that one I just kind of went straight in for, yeah. Okay, so you're paying for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. Art of Republic, right in the short north, right on Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. Using the main library once or twice. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of bouncing around. Transit Arts is doing a thing at Central Community House. So Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of spread all over. When did you start working on this? So the idea... Okay, so here's what happened. So... <laughs> Do I tell the real story? Yeah, yeah, or? so like a year ago, not to the day, but close, last February. Okay. I was giving a speech. I was asked to come give a speech at like St. Charles High School for an evening event that they were doing. Uh, a really brilliant young man there, Charles Wallace, he asked me to come in and speak to... He was a student? He's a student, yeah. Okay. He's amazing. And um, he's like, well, could you come speak on Columbus Black Art at the event? And I was like, sure, whatever. At St. Charles. At St. Charles. Right, 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 right. right, right. For those that aren't aware, <laughs> it's a pretty not black school. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was February. You know, so they were reaching out. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. Right, right. Well, we'll get to February here in month. a second. It was that month. So I'm doing the speech and I decided that I wasn't going to do like a historical listing or anything. I, I just really wanted to talk about black arts place in Columbus. Okay. And so it was, it was kind of a, 
it was a tough speech. It was like some tough love in that speech. So to okay. Speak. So was it a lot of talk about like Amina Robinson? Absolutely or? not. Okay. Because again, everybody knows she, Amina Robinson. Okay. You know, at that point, they go to the main library. They see her work everywhere, right. everywhere. So to me, it was it was kind of about the whole speech was basically about the stuff that you don't see. And I talk about the things that we're not doing enough of. Okay. Um, resources that we're not utilizing can enough I, of. Can Please. I check you a little bit? And Please. just like, is, do high school do high school students at St. Charles know who Amina Robinson was? Well, this the audience wasn't high school students. Oh, okay. It was like an after school event. I see. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So there were some there, but right. there were local people. But the culturally aware community, it was a huge story in the dispatch when she died. Like it's, a, oh, yeah. she is yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So talk me through that speech. Like so what? In, in the speech, um, I mentioned some things, you know, that Columbus could be doing better mm -hmm. at in terms of a, incorporating black art. Okay. I mentioned the long street bridge wall that at that point was pretty new. Right. And I like the wall, don't get me wrong, but I was presenting the question as to whether or not the wall was indicative of the past or the future. Okay. And to me, uh, at least in that moment, the way I was analyzing the presence and the purpose of the wall, it seemed more like a reminder of something than, than a harbinger of things to come. Right. Which, which well, I mean, as an artist, historical black figures, it is, it is. And that's important. Right. But like, but you know, that wall was comprised of like a lot of people who are no longer here or right. no longer active. Mm -hmm. And so that, that concerned me. I was like, who is this wall for? Right. You know, what is this wall? When you come down the street, where is this wall taking you? Right. You know, the implication is that this is a gateway into something and one block away from the wall is nothing. So a lot of questions there. Yeah. Right. What's the King Arts Complex doing? I should have been able to do this whole event at the King Arts Complex. That didn't happen. Okay. So the speech kind of deconstructed a little bit. Is that what the original venue was? For, no, uh, no, okay. no, no, no. Uh -uh. But during the speech, and this is where Holler kind of took root, I mentioned that you could put one black artist of note that's really good at what they do. Mm -hmm. A professional artist. Yeah, yeah. On a stage or in a room performing every night for a month. Never repeat the artist. All of it be good. You could do that with your eyes closed. You could do 30 days straight of that. You could probably do two months of that. You could probably do blah, blah, blah. And so somewhere in the back of your head, there yeah, was a that little stuck. voice. That stuck. That said, yeah. Well, if it's so easy, do it. Yeah, well, <laughs> so... About six months later, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. Okay. Yeah. And then, so I started kind of putting some feelers out like, what do you think? Do you think this is, eh, you know. Right. How much is this going to cost? Where am I going to yeah. get the money? And I didn't really worry about the money, you okay. know, because I figured if I get one venue on board, whatever that relationship looks like, that'll work itself out. All I got to do is pay the artist. I'm very big on that. Okay. And thankfully, we have an arts council that agrees with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. They really came through. And so I think probably around October of last year, I started to reach out and put it together and say, okay, you know, I asked a couple of people who were kind of doing stuff in the community. I said, look, I need a venue. I need a venue for 30 days. Mm -hmm. March is what I'm looking at. And I had a couple of bites, uh, but, you know, I really needed a venue to do certain things. And so finally, I settled on one. 
that again, as, as I mentioned, it kind of fell through. It's It was getting rebuilt. It's still getting rebuilt, so it wasn't going to be done okay. in time, basically, is what happened. But I didn't find that out until this month, you know, till, since, till January. Okay. And so then you had to be like, okay, I've yeah, got yeah. to put... So then, yeah, I had to put that cap back on my yeah, head. Yeah, with two months notice, that's not yeah. normally enough time. No, no. But I got... I got lucky. Columbus is pretty thirsty. Mm-hmm. You know, the artists are hungry. The venues are always looking for good stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this collectively as an event is a pretty bold statement. Yeah. You know, not just because it's all black, but not just because it's all 30 days. All of that together kind of just, it just, it just rallied people out for it. So I'm, I'm real excited about that. So that's how that all happened. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And take this question how you will. Sure. It is not meant to be snarky. It is just meant to note mm-hmm. that why not do this in February during Black History Month? Because no, that's that was like the first question. Okay. Right. So when it, you went to people and they were like, yeah, but why not February? Well, actually, no. Everybody kind of, I think most of the people I know kind of get it. Okay. Basically... It's not February because I assume you're already going to give us gigs in February. Okay. I need to prove that we have more than February, that Mm -hmm. we're capable of more than February. Absolutely. You know, I need that to happen on people's radars when it's not February. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If that answers the question. It does. (laughs) Can you talk about the Columbus art community as a whole and sort of what you're seeing having worked here for, you know, coming up on two decades? What is the scene like now and how is it different from how it was 18 years ago? So a lot of my energy has been spent with uh, the poetry scene, obviously, Mm -hmm. which, you know, 18, 20 years ago consisted of like two readings on or near campus. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much it. Okay. After that, you know, a venue opened up, Snaps and Taps at that time. It was like the only mm. other place to go do poetry. And so a lot Where's of that? it was mm-hmm. on Washington Avenue. Okay. It's now a parking lot. Okay. But um, right across from the motorist building. Got it. Yeah. And so it was it was a, a really cool venue in the perfect spot at the perfect time. And I think a lot of the art that you see now, particularly the art by people of color, comes out of that experience, out of that one spot. Okay. You know, everybody just kind of branched out and started to do their own thing. Musicians, a lot of musicians kind of launched out of there, jazz musicians mostly. Mm-hmm. So cats who are really active now, you know, probably did a few dates there mm-hmm. in the three years that it was open. Okay. But that's like kind of like, I guess, that underbelly art scene that we're kind of talking about. Okay. Which I think is cool. Like the differences between then and now is are vast, right? So just like poetry is exploded. Like there's a poetry reading every night of the week right now. Right. Yeah. But even in other areas, um, visual arts is, you can't even count all the artists that are painting or sculpting or, and and the variations of their art is amazing. You know, the skateboard art, the graffiti, all of that stuff is just amazing and expansive. Music, of course, kind of goes without saying. The interesting thing about the music though, like I'm not young anymore, so I still kind of remember when you could go to like a lot of venues and see live music. Mm -hmm. And that's, really clearly not the case now okay the uh, you just think there's not as many venues absolutely not okay no absolutely not and it's funny like i (laughs) i'm always like drawing these correlations between like austin and columbus when it comes to venues Mm -hmm. and art uh because if you go to austin you know and columbus does this all the time we're always the infrastructure is always comparing itself to austin too so i don't feel so bad but it's interesting like if you're in austin 
every venue you go in, everything you go into is a venue. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a stage, a back room, a basement room. A st- everybody has a performance. It's almost space. like a bathroom. Like you got to have it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it was amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, ever the banks, the airport, mm-hmm. the barbecue joints, every place had a performance space. Columbus obviously has never been like that, but it was certainly more like that mm-hmm. in certain pockets. Campus used to have lots of venues. Short North used to have some venues. East Side used to have some venues. Mm-hmm. Mount Vernon used to have some venues. There just used to be venues. You know, it's it's tough to make your art happen uh, in a place where it doesn't have a place to happen. Right. So I think something too, though, that's that's really cool about the art scene in general is that artists have gotten mad creative. You know, in terms of where they're going to do stuff, how they're going to do stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's all very exciting. I I think it's a great time to be an artist in Columbus if you got a couple of resources in hand. Uh You know, if you find a community that you can kind of latch on to, they're out there. They're not hard to find. You know, they are art communities, so, you know, you got to watch out for the weirdos. But aside from <laughs> that, you know, it's it's cool. It's it's real easy to get involved here, you know. Any other resources that you would point to for either a young artist or somebody who's interested in being just exposed to the scene more? Sure. So two things, I guess, really. And they don't happen as frequently as they should. Uh, the first one is find an art community that isn't your art. Okay. It's really important to cross-pollinate. See if you're, you know, if you're a musician, see what the poets are doing. If you're a poet, see what the visual artists are doing. Not just in terms of their work, which is also kind of cool, mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of what venues are they using, what kind of relationships are they building? Which, well, and how yeah. are they working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right. I mean, everybody needs. I think other than a writer, you kind of need a space. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And I would also say that there aren't as many of those spaces anymore, at least cheap. Right. So right. 400 Westrich is a great resource mm-hmm. and it's fairly inexpensive, yeah. but it is also a for-profit entity. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to, you know, truck your stuff across town to Franklinton, you know, you got to have a room, you got to have a place where you can play drums. If you're yeah. a musician, yeah. there's not a whole lot there. No. And I bemoan that, you know, Wild Goose is like the one place that everybody knows. Right. You know, and it's like, nah, we should have like five of those places, man. We should have like 10 of those places. Right. Just these multi-purpose general brick wall rooms where anything could be happening. That should be that. I mean, that should be like a go to type venue here. Do you think that the community would support it? I mean, I want to believe that. Yeah, I have to believe that. Right. I mean, I think Columbus is really hungry for that kind of art, that kind of culture. I just, you know, I think there was a time when that wasn't true. And so there was this contraction of -hmm. of the venues, not of the artists, but of the venues and such. Right. And that makes sense. But I don't I think now's the time to kind of push back out on that. Maybe in some different ways, you know. Uh, Wild Goose has a pretty pretty resilient model, mm-hmm. helped by the fact that they're one of the few that are kind of that blueprint, wide open kind of space. Right. Oh, and so they're taking in people saying, hey, I want to do X, Y, Z. Hey, I want to do this. Yeah. And they're able to then pick and choose and say, okay, what's going to get enough people in the door that we can pay rent? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. And they're reasonable, which also helps, right? So the other thing, though, that I think, you know, artists should kind of be tapping into, obviously, are the institutional resources. And this was a big one. Okay. Um, You know, GCAC, Ohio Arts Council, they 
and I was not, and I got to be honest with you, I was not aware of this until about a year ago. Okay. Like directly. I was aware that they existed. I right. had no relationships with them. But after I did that speech, you know, I got a call, so to speak, and they wanted to talk and, hey, could you come down to our office and let's just talk. And so, right. Like, All right let's, let's talk about black art in Columbus, you know. And that was a great couple of meetings, you know. Yeah. And, you know, the institutions here, the foundations, grant providing opportunities, those institutions are looking for good art to support. Right. They're looking for. They, they have need, money. Right. Yeah. They need diversity. Right. And, and they sorely want it. I don't know if they have all of the outreach ability that they would like. Mm hmm. Um, so I think that there's a, a little gap there, you know, an educational gap, an awareness gap. Right. They're not sure who to reach out to, and we're not sure who to reach up to. Right. Well, and I will point out, and I would encourage anybody to, if you have an idea, these organizations are there to listen. Sure. They, it does not take a whole lot to get a meeting no. to go and say, and even if you don't have a fully formed idea, even if it's just, hey, I'm thinking about doing a month of black art. Or, yeah. hey, I'm thinking about doing a speaker series. And they will they will say, this is what we've seen work in the past. This is how we can provide you money. They pointed out to you, obviously, that you needed a fiscal sponsor to make sure that the money went where it was supposed to go. They are good organizations. I you know, sit on the Mayor's Commission for Young Professionals. We give out grant dollars every year and need people to apply. Like a big part of that is always, like you said, figuring out who to reach out to sure. and figuring out who is trying to put cool shit together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Great, Scott Woods, thank you so much for your time. You can get more information in the show notes for this episode on Holler. And Scott, again, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite event organizer. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.